This is the Open Wallet Podcast, an exploration of personal finance. I'm Katie, a numbers nerd. And I'm Joe, a 40-year-old punk rocker. And And we're we're married. married. We're here to talk about and figure out all the personal finance questions we all deal with, like... How do I read my pay stub? How do I dress better on a budget? How do I start an emergency fund? What goes into buying a house? And lots more. So join us on Open Wallet Podcast, on iTunes, or wherever you find podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. I'm this month's host, Joe. I'm Katie. I'm Nathan. And I'm Mickey. And we're here to talk about Bruno. I heard there's a lot to say about Bruno. (laughs) No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to the Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? It is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry Joe. <laughs> We are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, He's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Welcome, everyone, to the Commentarians. As you heard, we have a big group of people here. Uh, How you doing, Katie? Doing well, Joe. Thanks. Nathan, how you doing? I, I'm good. This is like a, a commentarian special. It's like a uh, commentarian's double date with married right. folks. <laughs> yeah, both of us are uh, two couples here. <laughs> Been married for a while, and we're newlyweds still. I think you might consider us that still. And uh, um, yes. Mickey, yes. how you doing? I'm good. I'm enjoying a weekend. It's nice. performance season, so Oof. looking forward to movie night yeah yes <laughs> and what yeah, a movie it's... what were you saying oh i was saying uh, yeah uh, um as you might have guessed uh, we're doing uh Encanto. i i'm sorry i didn't mean to like barge in on your uh step on your line there sorry no. go ahead joe no yeah we're doing Encanto. that's the uh the disney pixar film uh from when what year was it 2021 right yeah, something yes, like that. It's pretty recent. Pretty yeah, recent. It's, for it's a very, very new film yeah. for uh, commentarians. Yeah, and actually, I think this was 2021 because Turning Red was 2022. So I think that this one yeah. was uh, last year's. Uh, yeah, and it was in, at the Oscars. So I think, yeah, this is 2021. And uh, I have a little bone to pick here. We don't talk about Mine. Bruno. <laughs> I can talk about whatever I want. This is I do me all a favor, guys. <laughs> look, look at the logo. Check out the logo. <laughs> Whose hair part is that? <laughs> that is my hair part, and it's my podcast. I could say whatever name I want. I don't care how banned it is. 
I'll, I'll if, 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 if you guys don't stop, I'll, I'll, I'll say Lord Voldemort and clear oh, the room. No. I'll clear the room. I'll say <laughs> banned names up. whenever I want. <laughs> now, the question, the question is, Joe, has the hair part changed that much since uh, Katie's been doing the it's hair? It's only more glorious, <laughs> as, as one would expect. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and I'm so glad because, uh, boy, I, I get. We talked about this a little on the on the uh, the Open Wallet podcast, the new podcast me and Katie are doing, and uh, yeah, I've broken scissors. I've I get charged double at the barber, so it's uh, it's if anything, it's uh, it grows in power. Yeah, it's good for the financial, for the home finances that I uh, that Katie does it now. <laughs> well, that's great. So um, the only thing is, yeah. I could just get him to stop wearing those three glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Just around the house. <laughs> Look like he's constantly doing like a Doctor Who uh, cosplay. So? So, yeah. Anything? So, Encanto. Yeah, Go anything to say before Sorry. we get started? Uh, I want to say I, I was really shocked by this movie because I heard almost nothing about it. And then I heard my girls, I overheard the, sh- the movie playing as my, as my youngest or my girls were watching it and I I was really confused by what was happening until I sat down and, and watched through it. And then, I, and then I was just like, Oh my gosh, there's so much to this movie. And, uh, and, I, and, and so I was like, I really want to do this sometime. And then, then I get felt really strongly about it because this movie actually gets, it's been getting kind of dogged on by some of the, uh, some of the Christian reviewers. Hmm. And in some very surprising ways, um, and like I, I, I don't know, and and it's it's like you know one of the things about, and I don't know if we should save this for the movie. One of the things about any good piece of artwork is what people say about it tells you more about that person than it tells you necessarily about that piece of artwork. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah, and I feel like this movie um, is written in such a way that the the various um uh, the various reviewers i've seen you're kind of going because a lot of people i've seen a lot of different places try to pin down a quote-unquote villain for the film sure and i'm like going well maybe it's just written in such a way that you're betraying uh your perception of who the villain might be and how you've interacted in various family dynamics Mm. um because it is written in such a way that there's not, I mean, if you're actually looking at it, there's not a villain right, uh, in this film at all. And it's not an action film, which is one of the negative reviews. Everyone's like, there's not a lot of action, but it doesn't need to be because it's not an action film. It's actually a very mature film mm-hmm. that still draws children in. Yeah. Uh, not mature as, you know, as an adult yeah. entertainment, <laughs> but it's there's a lot of maturity in the writing. Yeah. But it's still is drawing children in, in a way that is astounding to me in a way that, that I feel like the children who are watching it probably don't feel talked down to as they do in a lot of other films. Mm. Right. And yet it still teaches life lessons and they're going to learn those more quickly and assimilate them more quickly because it is a story, right. not a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like speaking of that, it says more about the reviewer. Uh, th- there was this, uh, Silly, silly uh, critic. Uh, there was the movie Lady Bird, which had a lot of great reviews. 
and it was getting a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes because every reviewer gave like really really liked it. This one critic said that he really really liked it too, but he was going to give it a negative review because it doesn't deserve to be a hundred percent. It's really good, but it's not a hundred percent good. So he just gave it a negative review just to knock it down. And that's just ridiculous to do something like that or to just try to find something negative in a movie to try to cut it down just because it's Disney or it's big or it's just, yeah, you're, it, it, it's like you said, it says more about the, the critic than, than the movie itself. Yeah. So I, 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 it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. Sure. But there's so much good stuff in it and, you know, and, just in some of the things I've heard, like one of one of the, the worst reviews I heard on this was that the message of the film is to quit serving your community and focus on yourself. Wow. Wow. Because I don't think that happens at all in the movie. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I no, not one bit. At all. <laughs> and, and it's and it's like, wow, if that really tells me a whole lot about you as a reviewer that, that that's it's such a myopic uh view of things so um but that's that's just that's just one of the the harsher things i've heard about it and uh when i heard that i was like oh my gosh we really need to talk about this film because there's so much more to it than even a lot of the positive reviews i'm seeing are are even going into right Um, so i'm really excited about it yeah so let's get started talk about all this in the movie because this is such a great film and a lot to talk about so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, listeners, if you know, uh, we start the movie, uh, we're paused at zero. We do a countdown, three, two, one, and press play, then you press play. If you're watching along with us, if not, then uh, just listen along. It'll be a br- very broad conversation so that you can follow along. So let's start getting into it. Paused at zero, doing the countdown. Three, two, one, play. All right, here we go. All right. Fade into a dark sky, panning down, river, a lot of fog, clouds. Oh, a flag, fireworks, pulling back. It's not a po- As my children would say, I've seen this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not a pirate flag. Yeah. Been watch- the, the girls have been really into the Pirates of the Caribbean movies lately. Oh, nice. And on those, the flag on the castle is a pirate flag. Oh, nice. <laughs> I told Nathan before we started this that the hardest part for me is going to be not singing along. <laughs> like, I don't want to get us in trouble. I was just thinking that. I was like, oh, we're watching it on silent so the mic doesn't pick it up. That's so disappointing. <laughs> this is, I think, what Pixar got right that took a lot of other animators a long time to figure out. Big eyes. Big eyes make <laughs> characters cute. People yeah. love big eyes. And I think that uh, most of their cuter characters, uh, you know, have those that going for them. And, uh, well, and that probably pulls from anime, right? Anime's had it right for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's actually not just anime. That's actually a pretty common thing in even casting. Um, we It's... Oh. One of those things are like, you know how like certain things don't show up well on camera? Right. Uh, one of those things is, is people's eyes. So when like even casting like news reporters and things, uh, they tend to look for people with large eyes. Oh. Uh, 
because uh, it, it you can see what their expressions are doing more. Right. Okay. And it's and it's such a subtle thing on the screen that you don't really notice it. But it, 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 once you once it was pointed out to me, I was like, oh, yeah, hmm. I do see a lot more of their whites of their eyes. But anyway, but. Oh, that's interesting. Emma Stone has giant eyes, <laughs> yeah. humongous eyes. And um, and the movie did Emma. What, what's her name? Um, oh, uh, the, yeah. Or she's blonde Taylor in Joy. Emma. Yes, yeah, there Anya you go. Taylor Joy. Big eyes. Big eyes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's in Kanto. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I want to throw out uh, to you, though, as uh, as we're getting into this, um, is actually kind of an idea that one of my friends presented to me about Punch Drunk Love. I know it's another movie that we're bringing into this already. Yeah. But um, especially when we get to uh, uh, Mirabelle talking about her family mm-hmm. in the in the entry song is that one of my friends uh, put forth the idea that, like, if you've seen Punch Drunk Love, like, some of the characters just seem really awkward. And, like, how would they ever treat a person that way? And the idea that he put forth was that the whole movie was extremely from Barry's perception. Right. Like, from his perspective. That, like, it's, and it's this, and the giveaway is how the sisters talk to him. Like every one of the sisters is just over the top mean to him, saying things that you just normally wouldn't say to a person. Yeah. And so I kind of have this, I kind of was looking at this movie in that kind of way that like Mirabelle perceives her family because they are such pillars of the community uh, as these kind of over the top heroic people and that their powers are just kind of the way that she sees them in her mind. Mm. Oh, wow. So I don't know if that's a spoiler for anyone, but no, but well, because that's really something interesting in storytelling and uh, in film that you don't really, you know, you just take the film for what it shows you. But when you're introduced to the idea that maybe the main character or the protagonist isn't a trustworthy, uh, was a, a trustworthy narrator, that right. maybe what's happening isn't what's actually happening. What we're seeing, right. we're seeing it through their perspective, but that doesn't mean it's actually happening. And uh, yeah. I think a really great movie is like Five Hundred Days of Summer was a great uh-huh. version of that because. You know, he, he, it's this really beautiful love story between, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Zoe Deschanel. But then when he remembers back later in the film, all the scenes also were different. huge eyes. And Sorry. huge <laughs> eyes, exactly. More huge eyes. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out that his memories were playing tricks on him. He was having a really great time in all these, uh, uh, in all these situations, but she wasn't. And so he was building this romance story, and it really wasn't romantic for her. And so he wasn't a trustworthy right. narrator. And so maybe, yeah, in that same situation. And, of course, we see that later on. Spoiler for the future, but I'm sure that you've all seen it. But even, like, when they're talking about Bruno. <laughs> when they're talking about oh, Bruno. I'm sorry, I thought you were still talking about 500 years. Oh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> no. But in this. When, when they're talking about Bruno, they're saying he said this and he did that. And it turns out, no, actually, you misinterpreted what I was saying. It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, like even to the, the boy who shapeshifts, I can't remember his name. But um, Camila. Camilo. He, 
yeah, but when they're when he's talking about Bruno, what is he? You know, he's talking about someone he hasn't seen since he was a boy, and his perception is seven foot tall, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh well, yeah, he was a child, so of course now from his own perspective, <laughs> right. Bruno would be seven foot tall. It's like when you go back to your <laughs> childhood home after uh, being away for a while, you're like, oh, was was the table always this small? Was the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I like your. Um... I like this this concept of this is what Mirabelle sees her family of. I think maybe, too, it's what they see themselves as. Obviously, in the songs like Louisa's, where she's like, I have to be strong. Give it to your sister. Mm-hmm. She's the strong one. And the same one with um, Isabel. You know, I have to be perfect. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah. To, and, and when you grow up, too, with someone like... Her grandma was probably, you know, from a young age, telling them we were given this gift. We, you know... The, we have to treat it well. We have to use it. We have to bless people. Like this is really important thing because she was in some way saved from this travesty that was going to get her. And so, yeah, these things get built up in their minds. And so this is how they all see their, their own place in this world and this gift mm-hmm. that they were given. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? And one of the criticisms that that this film gets is the fact that these kids don't know what everyone's powers is, even though they lived around there forever. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, but we're we have to. It's a musical. We have to get introduced to everyone <laughs> right. in some sure. way. Um, which to the about the music, you know, of course, Lynn. Uh, what's his name? Lynn. Lynn Manuel Mal- Miranda. I, I've no, I almost never say it out loud. So it's like, <laughs> uh, but. It, Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> he uh, pardon me. Yeah. Um, you know he he actually, I mean, he's very talented in the way that he puts things together. Um, his rhymes are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sometimes they're a little on the hokey side, but a lot of the times they are interesting and unexpected. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he has this great way of being able to overlay something with a very modern feel. Right. Uh, over something that has a very classical feel and, and and i mean he did that in moana like you and i did that one yeah uh, in the early days of commentarians uh, but yeah it's it's fantastic uh, I, I think he really did a good job on this one yeah but yeah like and, i really like the way that it talked and we'll again we'll talk about that when we get to it but uh louisa's song is like she talks like uh, with modern you know uh modern vernacular like she says uh uh-huh. what if hercules said yo i don't want to ta- i don't want to fight cerberus it's like yeah and which, it's which just was a really funny rhyme yeah it, but it's really good it's it really works for the character yeah. and for the song it, like you don't even notice that oh wait she would never say that in that time period or in that in that part of the world but of course it's you know it's it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt the film it doesn't hurt the story yeah or the message of the song. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And see like this scene here where um, like they're asking like what her gift is and she's talking about everyone else and she's kind of embarrassed that she doesn't, she doesn't have a gift. But then when somebody asked another family member, they're just like, they were just real flippant about, Oh, well she's, she doesn't have one, whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a big deal to them. Right. Uh, but they don't realize that, that how much that, makes her feel like an outsider. Right. Which is funny that not more Christians are loving this film. The notion that, 
one character feels like they don't have any gifts while everyone around them does. And a person with, you know, great gifts is like, oh, no, now everyone depends on me and I can't fail. <laughs> like, that mm -hmm. is exactly what what is happening in churches all across the country. Like, everybody mm -hmm. feels that way in a church, you know? It's it's just so right. perfect for Christians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, and I do want to get a little more into that later on as the, as the plot unfolds. Sure, sure. Um, but... You know, it's it's this this whole establishing things and and this, the animation, like right there, that expression uh, when when Isabella shows up, the expression that's on Mirabelle's face every single time <laughs> Isabella shows up is just like it's so funny. They telegraph so many things, yeah. That that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss. But they're just hilarious in the way they're put together, and of course. Uh, and that's oh, that's the other thing. And Casita, uh, I mean, the the animation for that is so clever. The yeah, way the they house do being its own character. Well, yeah. and that's actually something else that I think we can talk about is Casita. Uh, you know, it's like so we're we're basically we're watching a film about generational family dysfunction, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just to to lay it all out. It, so you have Casita, who's does everything, and it's like no one really knows how everything gets done in this dysfunctional family, but it, it just always seems to come together, and it's almost like the house does everything for them. Right. <laughs> you know, it's and it's like, it, I don't know, I just kind of thought that was an interesting touch on everything. Almost like the house is trying to keep the family together. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and of course, poor Mirabelle here can't. You know, she knocks the candle over, and so a question. A question. Oh, go ahead, Mick. I was going to say, um, I can't remember what was said earlier in our conversation exactly, but it made me think about um, the motivations. Like it all comes down to motivation. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was talking about the the um the perspective where the narrator or the protagonist it it's they're seeing it through their perspective mm -hmm. and you know if if you're if you're Mirabelle and you're looking at Abuela as this um I don't know this this powerful and domineering force um in the in the family then you're you're I mean, you can see she's just trying and trying and trying to measure up, constantly trying to do, and um, because she doesn't have the gift, she's trying to work her way. There's that spiritual aspect again. She's trying to work her way into being accepted and being worthy. But then, you know, later on in the film, you see Abuela's motivation as well. Right. And um, where it started pure and it started um about the family and then it became about preserving so i think going back to what you were saying joe about the the church is like what is what is the heart motivation mm. Mm -hmm. well and another thing too is like she's in she's still in the room with uh well, i can't remember his name either there's a, this is a huge it's ensemble antonio cast. 
Antonio. That's right. Uh, yeah. So she's still in like the kids room with Antonio. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there is kind of that undertone where it's not expressly said that, OK, because you didn't get a gift or, or you're not contributing in the same ways that we are, that you're not really a full member of the family. And so you just get to hang out in the kids room. You're, you're still yeah. at the kids table. You don't mm-hmm. have a purpose. So you don't have a, a product. So you're you're still behind the scenes. You're still waiting. Right. And yeah, and she's kind of encouraging it because Mirabelle was the last one to go and get her gift. And mm. she didn't get one. So now everybody's kind of worried that the next generation, this uh, this kid, what's his name? Antonio. Antonio. That, well, there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got you all. <laughs> the Game of Thrones. It's, it's too many characters for it to keep track of. Yeah, and so they're you know they're worried. Maybe he's worried right now. That that's what the conversation is. What if I don't get a gift? What if the, what if we're what if the house is done giving out gifts, and I don't get one? And she's mm-hmm. trying to encourage him and say it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm doing great, and you know. Our family still loves us. The house still loves us. We're 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 gonna be okay, you know. And then as the celebration goes on to grant this ch- this kid for him to get his gift, everyone's it's you start to see that everyone's a little worried. What if he, it doesn't happen for him either? Mm-hmm. You know what that feels. Which a little... is interesting. Oh. Sorry, go ahead, Katie. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know what that feels a little bit like is. I I spent many, many years in my last church and it was a demographic very similar in age. And as the years went on watching people get married and wondering, Mm -hmm. you know, is this not for me? And kind of telling yourself that I'm going to be fine. Like I'm totally fine. Mm -hmm. And it was true in some respects, but in others you were still watching everybody else get their gift. If you want to call it that or whatever. And that's similar feel. I feel like, what were you going to say, Mickey? Um, I forgot now. Oh, sorry. Oh, the fact that, um, that Antonio was not even born when, um, Mirabelle went to the door and did not receive her gift. And yet he knows this whole family history. So it's Mm -hmm. not like it was just something that happened and we've moved on. It's this big thing that the family has talked about and that the whole community has talked about and, oh, what? what is happening to the magic that it's this pressure that has nothing to do with him, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's been passed down for years because obviously their age difference, he wasn't even alive. Like it has nothing to do with him, but there's all this pressure on this night and on this little boy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. I was visiting with some uh, friends that, Longtime family friends, wonderful, wonderful people. I'm not talking bad about them whatsoever, (laughs) but I come from a history of a lot of missionaries and church planters and teachers and preachers and um, talking about a, a relative of mine that had passed and saying, you know, what a great legacy that was. And 
I can't remember, Nathan, I don't know if you remember the exact phrasing, but something like, oh, that's a a big, I don't know, like a, a legacy to hold up or big, big you know, shoes basically to fill. big yeah. shoes yeah. to fill. And I'm like, well, not exactly. Like <laughs> my, my job is not to, you know, live up to all of these people that have gone before me. My job is to, you know, think about my children that are moving forward that, I need to not pass on these generational things <laughs> that I've seen, you know. Right. Yeah. But well, yeah, pass like, on the pass on the good things, but there's right, but not the there's certain family pressures. You know, every family has them. But but my calling is not, or my purpose is not dictated by my ancestors. Right. You know. And so I can kind of like like you're, uh, Katie, you're um, identifying with. Mirabelle, I feel like I'm kind of identifying with Antonio a little bit. <laughs> but th- this is interesting because, again, uh, Antonio uh, Mirabelle doesn't see herself as having a gift, but Antonio needs her. Mm-hmm. He can't go mm-hmm. forward without her, which shows she's really, really close with everyone in her family. Yeah. Regardless mm-hmm. of whether she has a gift or not or whatever happens, they all love her. And mm-hmm. because that's just normal, you kind of forget that that's still a place in, you know, that's still really important, mm. you know? Well, it, and the fact that, that she she's still encouraging to everyone. Right. I mean, because it's not just being close, but she's still encouraging. I mean, there's a lot of bravery in Mirabelle. And uh, there's actually one of the things that, uh, and this was something I read in an article was the like she has glasses. And one of the things and of course, we might get this to the about this more later when we get to Bruno uh, was that bec- the glasses represented that she could actually kind of see how everyone was treating each other. Mm. Um, so they, they wanted to have the glasses to show that she had a she could see things that other people couldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is kind of that part of, I mean, you know, there, there's that, that bit like Joe, like we, we talked to you, we talked to you on uh, Faith and Other Oddities the one time about like coming into Christian culture. <laughs> like there, there's just those things that are expected and, and there's like a, a very dense uh, culture that's hard to, to penetrate. Right. <laughs> and, get, and become part of if you haven't been part of it and someone outside can see the dysfunction of, of trying to incorporate new people into it but if you're just inside of it then you don't see it right yeah that's very astute it is like one the the christian church is one large unfortunately somewhat dysfunctional family <laughs> <laughs> but we all love each other <laughs> Some days better than others, but we right. can try our best. What was it? Yeah, and I told that joke. It, it's not really a joke, but it's this really interesting thing. Uh, if you're in something for such a long time, you don't realize that there's something else out there. And I told the story of the two fish, two young fish swimming you know, in the ocean, and they're just swimming along. And then an older fish comes swimming by and says, hello, boys, how's the water? And they nod at him, and you know he goes on, and they swim for a little while longer, and then he says, and then one of the young fish says to the other, "Hey, 
what the hell is water? Because <laughs> you're not in it. You know, you, or right. you're, you've been in it for so long, you don't realize that you're in it. And so right. for Christians, they have a problem with that. They don't realize, oh, we've been inside of this thing for so long that there might be something else or it might be different for other people or they they might not hear the same things we hear or the way that we say them, you know, the same way. Yeah, well, and, and that's actually one of the things on this. I hadn't planned on talking about this in relation to Encanto, but in response to, to what you're saying, one of the things that I hear from some of the very, because I, I listen to a wide variety of podcasts. I listen to people I agree with and people I disagree with, people I agree with sometimes and really can't stand what they say the other times. You know, it's it, but I listen to a wide variety and on a lot of the like more uh, conservative fundamentalist uh, and reformed podcasts that I listen to, there there's a tendency to belittle uh, psychology and taking care of yourself. And uh, one of the things with that is they tend to really belittle anyone who, um, you know, because there's just that compliment, hard complementarian view of things. I'm trying not to get too far off the field on this. Sure. But they, they criticize people, uh, you know, they, they criticize women who are leaving these uh, emotionally abusive situations. And, and they're saying, oh, well, they're just being rebellious and all this. And it's like, well, maybe if you take a step back and listen to what they're actually saying, maybe they actually are, uh, you know, hurt. Maybe they are just looking for hope. Maybe they were in a hopeless situation that they needed to get out of. Mm. It, and, it, but there is a, a very much a, uh, uh, this, this tendency to think, well, from our, from our perspective, the only reason someone would get divorced is if they were, uh, living in sin or had a desire to be sinful and, re and rebellious. Uh, you know, that's, you know, and again, that has very little to do with Encanto, <laughs> but just kind of in response to what you're saying, we, the, the church tends to, uh, particularly Christians who grew up in the church and haven't been in these places where there is a lack um, and people who are really searching for hope, they don't see that because hope's always been at their at their door, right. you know, so they haven't had to look for it. It's just right there. And uh, so back to the movie, this scene is so cool. Um, <laughs> and Maribel does have a gift. It's the same one Zach Morris had. <laughs> um, stop time I was gonna say this is a Lin-Manuel Miranda favorite because he does this in Hamilton too with um, mm -hmm. Angelica's yeah. song you know it's we're just stopping the moment and seeing exactly what's going on in somebody's heart right in a moment mm -hmm. and th this is like a thing that uh, I was talking to you know we can start talking about this part of it in Christianity the feeling that I don't, I don't feel like I belong. Everyone says I do. Everyone says that I'm special and everyone says that they love me and that I belong and that I'm part of this and that I do have a gift, but it doesn't feel like it because I'm the odd person out, you know? And, yeah. you know, I'm sure like, you know, thinking about like in, uh, you know, Bible camp and, you know, there's a bunch of pretty girls and a bunch of handsome men and, you know, you're just the not not as pretty girl or you're the short stocky guy and you're not exactly the picture of the perfect you know uh 
person to be in a in a Christian relationship with. You're not that cookie cutter kind of version, and so you feel mm-hmm. out of place, you know, or you don't have a talent that's very obvious, you know. You you don't lead worship. You're not this super, you know, intelligent theologian like everyone else. You you don't get it as much as everybody else, or you're you know you you're not as you you don't seem as strong as 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 the other people in the church or as happy and you just feel like you don't like you're different yeah no i i i get that um but from a different perspective like i for one i was homeschooled so i've always kind of felt like the odd person out and i think there's probably part of me that's always going to feel that way sure um as, as much as i try not to but there's also like uh, th- there's also the the part where I don't fit the mold, the the like the worship leader mold. Like you know, I play guitar, I love to sing, and so you know, in high school, I was always like, oh well, why don't you like sports? And so like unless like for me, unless you were talking comic books or music, and and there was a time uh, before the internet when it was not cool to be a nerd about anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and and that was me growing up. Sure. And so, um, yeah, because, oh, I was I was really into church, but I didn't like sports. And that I was just an anomaly. I was like, or, you know, and, oh, you, you want to be in the praise band, but, oh, when you're done doing uh, the music, you still want to talk theology? What? what? <laughs> no, it's time to go. It's time to go do icebreakers. I don't want to do icebreakers. <laughs> you know, so so I, I, I get it. You know, it's from a different perspective. Uh but I definitely get that. Um, the the and it's just, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you want to be in the worship team, but you don't want to wear skinny jeans, and you, you don't like too much synth <laughs> pad on everything, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's, uh, yeah. But then, as you truly get to know people and know their hearts, you know, I mean, you find out that there are those Louisas in the church that do look like the strong ones and are doing everything. And yet they're, they're doing it because they feel like they have to, you know, not that they wouldn't want to not, not that they wouldn't want to be helpful, but they need a break. (laughs) Give these people a break. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I love that. Those two songs came one after the other is that this Mm -hmm. one, Mirabelle is saying, I feel alone because I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't have a special gift. And nobody tells me that, you know, everybody tells me that I belong and that I'm important, but it just doesn't feel that way. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have the gift. And then Louisa, which we'll talk about more when we get to it, feels alone. Mm-hmm. It feels the same way, but for a totally mm-hmm. different reason. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and there is a lot of pressure. And I, I you know, and this is actually, you know, I was not a preacher's kid, and I, I uh, but I, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist minister, so, and so there was a lot of pressure on our family to look a certain way, mm. to sound a certain way, to behave a certain way, and so I definitely get that perspective of you need to do these things or everyone's going to be upset, right? Um, or you're you're letting the family down, or 
you know, it, because I heard and, and I heard the way they talked about everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, it, and you kind of see some of that through that whole we don't talk about Bruno. You the whole like, you know, everyone <laughs> knows that, yeah. you know, <laughs> but everyone knows that because they've been talking about him. But um, but yeah. And, and you're like, well, if, if I do something to disappoint the family, am I going to have to go off on my own? Right. I really like this scene too with Abuela and she's um, talking to her husband who passed um, and you get to see a little bit of her heart, which she hasn't shown the family before. Mm. Um, and you get to see her, I, I, I guess just where, where everything started and why she's, hanging on so hard to this miracle and Casita and all of the things that have gone before. And I think it starts giving um, Mirabelle a little bit of empathy um, to why she is, how she is. Right. Um, And I think, you know, as we go through the movie later on, how Abuela's character develops as well. And there's, so many things like I was a psychology major for a couple of years in undergrad and still find all of that fascinating. Um, but you can see the reasons you can see the childhood trauma or the, you know, that moment of shift where someone either has a breakthrough or a breakdown <laughs> <laughs> and you can have empathy for that person and this huge understanding for why they're living the way they're living now. And yet that also does not excuse, um, abuse or neglect or, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess just abuse or neglect. Um, even though you see where it came from. And so watching how Mirabelle's gift, which is not a named gift. Yeah. Um, helps her work through those things and get back to the original intent and what her true gift was, what Abuela's true gift was, which was family. Mm. Well, yeah. And and I I do think there is something hidden. There's some kind of hidden gift in Mirabelle. And again, we'll kind of get back to that at the very end of the film. (laughs) Uh, When, when things take a, a totally different turn, but (laughs) <laughs> I love the eye twitching. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the scenes around the table are are very well done. Um, and, and you know, and that's the other thing too. Like, uh, and it's something else. You know, when the boy was trying to sneak seconds, and the house hits him. Yeah. You know, it's it's like that's the family name. It's that thing that's always at your back. It's gonna mm-hmm. punish you if you if you uh, defile it. You know, uh, back to that whole thing about you know, uh, family pressure, which is a lot of what this film's about. Yeah. I haven't thought this, like this thought just came to me, so it's not fully developed, but I'm going to throw it out there. (laughs) Um, so you were saying like the, the family scenes at the table, like this is where they're all having a meal together. They're discussing plans for what's next. And you first see the Louisa I twitch. Mm-hmm. And then here after a little bit, you're going to have the family dinner later with the torrential f- 
flood and everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's something about, you know, I don't know. I'm probably reaching, but like breaking bread with family and, you know, like, I don't know. There's probably something to that. But I do have to point out the donkeys (laughs) are one of the funniest things. And donkeys are a beast of burden, right? So uh-huh. that's why they chose that animal in particular. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it just kicks it up on top of the pile. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, this this is uh this is very well done. And this is what's kind of funny is the 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 way that they the, so much of this film is very serious. With, I mean, with some comedy sprinkled in, but then you have like this crazy Disney kaleidoscope of ideas in this routine. It's, it, well, this one and with uh, Isabella, like it's like, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing at the donkeys. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like when it goes into like the, like the weird fantasy type animations, you know, like everything's just weird and colliding. Right. Right. When she sings her song and then all of a sudden they're floating through air and then the donkeys are unicorns. Right. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she, when she pulls up, yeah. And then she's in the, the tightrope and things like that. And w- one of the other criticisms that of course, yeah, there's that rhyme you were talking about Joe under the surface was Hercules. Like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. bite her Cerberus. It's like, I mean, who would have thought, I mean, I guess Lynn, when Lynn Manuel Miranda probably did, but it's just such a clever, unexpected thing to hear. And, yeah. Uh, but you now, one one of the major criticisms that from both uh, Christian media and from some other places I've seen was that Louisa is muscular, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why is that a problem? She and everyone's like, oh, she looks like a man. I'm like, no, she looks like she looks like a woman who works does yeah. manual labor i was actually struck by okay so her gift is being strong i was struck by how she still comes across as very feminine like you know they didn't just make her some you know beefy i mean she is she just has guns but she's still um you know I, you know later at the end she mentions like sometimes i cry but like she's still very um she comes across as very feminine to me and i love that um Mm-hmm. And it's, you can be both. Yeah, I mean, I I know yeah. that Christians don't like to say this word, but there is a spectrum <laughs> amongst everyone. There's just men who aren't as strong and women who are. There are, I mean, there there's like you know straight, very feminine women who play football, you know, because they're mm-hmm. big and they're strong, and that's just how they were built, and that's what they enjoy doing. And there's one in particular that I saw on Real Sports uh, on HBO, and she wants to go to prom and she wants to wear a pretty dress and, you know, but she still plays, you know, she's still a lineman at her high school football. And that's okay. You know, it's it's because we have a vast variety of different bodies and (laughs) strengths and heights and, you know, shortness in all humankind. It's not, you know, it, it it just doesn't work as black and white as a lot of people want it to be, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And so, and real quick, and I know I'm kind of detracting from the conversation, the use of the donkeys as the, (laughs) 
as the props in this <laughs> montage right. are just so clever. You know, like uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's all those little visual cues, and there's everything like from the from the donkeys being the little uh, chamber, uh, what do you call it, ensemble mm-hmm. on the deck of on the, the Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just stuff like that. Or then, or then when she gets to the part of the song, she's like, "If I could shake the crushing weight." It's the donkeys. They're like floating through the air. The beast of burden is relieved <laughs> of all of its weight. You know, it's, yeah. it, there's so much that they, I can't even, I, I just, I appreciate the thought that they put into it. I can't even imagine coming up with all these details, which is why you employ a team of writers for a project like sure, this. Sure, yeah. It's, it's so good. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, and just the, the, we've been talking about this, this whole idea that there's so much pressure put on this one person. And, you know, again, the, we talk about how sometimes we feel like we're the odd man out. We're not special. We don't have gifts mm-hmm. and everybody else does. But the people with gifts have these whole, like, you know, so much pressure that they feel that they have to live up to, you know. And I can't imagine, like, a pastor in the last five or six years having to mm-hmm. navigate, you know, their ministry, their churches, their their flock through these horrible <laughs> times, you know. It like you know they have like I don't know like a member of the congregation s- sending them emails about QAnon and then another one saying that they don't know if they can worship in a church with somebody who voted for Trump or somebody else who wants to you know ban s- critical race theory from church even though that's never come up and somebody else who wants to read a oh, Rob right. Bell book for Bible study and like like this pat like the last. Like four or five years have been have put so much pressure on leaders in the church, you know, trying to keep their flock together in a time where everyone is just so, you know, just focused on things that really aren't as important and have never been important, or at least not in recent, you know, decades. And, you know, and again, like, like I guess you guys have mentioned also before, you know, the, the really great, you know, perfect, you know, uh, Christians in the church, they have to keep up appearances because they mm-hmm. can't be honest or open or do what they want to do because they can't disappoint everyone who sees so much, you know, in them. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. There's, there's, it, I, I cannot. I know there's a lot of good pastors out there just doing their best. And I mean, and some might have been denominations that don't even allow you to drink. So, I mean, they're, they're really holding it together. (laughs) (laughs) So um, now I do think it's interesting. um, We get to the rooms and what I want to know is, does Casita have no power in every room or just Bruno's room? I have questions. From what I understand, it's just Bruno's room. Because in all of the other rooms, like Antonio's room, she's bringing all the... She. Well, it is Casita. Does that mean she's... She? Shut the feminine form. It is the feminine, but anyhow. Um, uh, All the animals and all of the... You know, it's bigger inside and all that. So I don't know if... I would assume that she has power in all the other rooms. But maybe it's because Bruno left or yeah. was cast out or he broke the 
his final vision. And so he's basically saying, I don't want my gift anymore. That she's like, okay, done with you for now. Yeah. And what, and that's the other thing too, is what Bruno, I don't think he was cast out. I think he was misunderstood Mm -hmm. and felt the pressure of being misunderstood a lot. Like Mirabelle is starting to experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there is this, you know, she goes to find him. She goes and finds that he does still want to be part of the family in a way. Yeah. Um, Which is why he didn't leave, leave. He's just hiding out. Yeah. And, and again, there's, you know, and of the criticisms I read, what, and towards the end, one of the criticisms is that Abuela just accepts Bruno back and they don't ever talk about everything and it was like well number one it's a kids movie so you can't like <laughs> you're gonna have like an hour of exposition about uh what and all happened sessions yeah <laughs> but it is but i also am going how how is the church not getting this it's the prodigal son thing yeah <laughs> you know it's because bruno's decided he's gonna rid himself of all responsibilities just hang out with the rats by the kitchen <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and just live up on all the benefits. Uh, and and then, yeah, it's, it's like, but then when when he does decide to come back, he's embraced. It's 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 so plain on that. But yeah, yeah, because <clears throat> as much as everybody complains about him, no, it seems like nobody really wanted him to leave. You know, right. it's not like, oh, he, you know, we misunderstood you. So you're, you're welcome back. It's like, look, yeah, it kind of sucked you saying some of the stuff that you said, but we still cared about you. You didn't have to go. Yeah, we didn't dislike you. We disliked your visions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's something else. I mean, if we want to talk about that because there is, I mean, if you look at the history of Israel and how they, their relationship with the prophets, it <laughs> was not always uh, smooth sailing. Right. Yeah. And when you're looking at also... I mean, you know, where there where there is no vision, the people perish. You've got Bruno, who was the the prophet, the, the prophetic character, this voice to the family who would tell the future and speak the truth to them. You have Mirabel, who has the vision represented by the glasses, and they, you know, Bruno kind of got felt like he got edged out and left, and Mirabel's starting to feel like she's getting edged out. And what happens? The house starts coming apart when you start getting getting rid of and casting off the vision. Mm. Everything just crumbles. And, I, and that that to me is kind of like is that is that uh, have anything to do with why the uh, a lot of the fundamentalist people really hate this movie? <laughs> the strike a little too close to home in some places. I don't know. Uh. And yeah, he like. People are, it's not just Mirabelle. Everyone else is feeling something. That's, there's something wrong. And Abuela just can't let that happen. She has to yeah. hold everyone together. Which, again, that, that's another, she's like, imagine her burden that she has to carry, you know? Yeah. Because it's not just her family, it's her whole community. Yes. And, and that's, that's part of it in, uh, I've kind of put it off talking to it because I don't want to get too far into it. But yes, that's kind of where 
Abuela has, like, there's this miracle that's blessed her and her family that she doesn't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And, and you can you can tell that, but she's kind of, she started out using it to serve her family and then her community at large, but now it's kind of the the family madrigal has become like an institution and a cornerstone of the town. And it seems like she's more concerned now, not with hurting the community of the miracle fades, but losing the status. Mm. And whether she realizes that that's her fear or not, that to me, and again, I might be telling on myself here, uh, you know, this might just, it's just my perspective is that, She's worried about the family secrets coming out um, or, you know, that the family is hurt and the family is fractured because she's worried about what the, the townspeople are going to think and they're going to lose their, their status. Hmm. And I may be way off, but that's what it. No, no, I think I think you're pretty spot on there. And then, yeah, of course, here comes. The infamous song. And now, which really is, I, I don't know if genius is, genius is probably stretching a little bit. Oh, it's brilliant. But it is a fantastic song. Like, <laughs> as a classically trained musician who also was part of a salsa band in grad school <laughs> and, like, now teaches kids, like, music, it's, like, it has, every single character has their own light motif or their own little snippet that represents them right. oh yeah and then um it just layers them all together so brilliantly and it works oh at the end and, when they're all singing their yes, part it's just magic yes. it is so amazing yeah well it, it and at the beginning like you're talking about the light motif like the you know there's the the butterfly origitas the Dos Origitas, is mm-hmm. that what it is? Mm-hmm. That music is playing during uh, Abuela's section of the first song. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they start weaving it in already from the beginning. And and I do want to make a note about Felix here. Everybody knows Felix. If you've been to any place where there's like salsa dancing, mm-hmm. whether or not his name is actually Felix, but we all know that guy who's a little bit too heavy set, but is such an amazing dancer so and everybody loves him. Yep. I mean, every yep. time I've been around they're like salsa dancing, there's that guy. Yeah. And who's just an amazing dancer. <laughs> and uh and it, and it, he's always the life of the party and everybody yeah. loves him. So I, I yeah. It's interesting. I was watching some behind the scenes stuff um with Lynn Manuel Miranda and um just talking about the music and then it had some of the other musicians too coming in and they were talking about the Colombian culture and the Colombian music, how there's so many different styles. I mean, I guess we have different styles in the U S but you know, typically when we think of Latin music or whatever, we think of, Oh, well that's Mexican or that's Cuban or whatever. But even within Colombia, there's so many different, um, different styles from the different subcultures and um and he he like represents every single one and mm-hmm. even some of the um like he invited colombian musicians to participate and when they heard about it, they're like oh yeah of course we will like we want to be in there and um so the i think it's the the um 
the last song, like the party song at the towards the end, um, that is like the most famous Colombian pop musician. Um, I, I just, you know, it, everything's a little Americanized and, um, you know, like you're saying with, uh, like Nathan was saying with Louisa and, and her lyrics, um, being a little more, you know, our culture, but I think he did a really good job of representing the, the music well, and mm. not just having one homogenous Colombian sound, but representing right. each of the different styles. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And isn't it funny though? They say we don't we don't talk about Bruno, but then everyone starts talking about Bruno. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's the gossip chain. Yeah, it's a prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone, but pray for so and so. And and I do think it's interesting. The dad also has glasses, and mm-hmm. he also he married into the family. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate the dad and the uncle who married in and their place in the family and that they, Mm -hmm. because that would be a wild thing to walk into. And that's kind of anybody's experience marrying into a family is that you're walking into a bunch of stuff that everyone thinks is normal. And, Mm -hmm. but that's because again, going back to the fish who's been in the water the whole time, like you don't realize it. So (laughs) in-laws are an interesting thing and yet they fit into this family and they find their place and, and the dad can bring some perspective to Mirabelle and you are special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then here we are at the table again. And I love that Mirabelle's staring Peppa down. (laughs) Was was that Peppa? That was Dolores. Dolores. Yeah, staring (laughs) Dolores down. And as soon as the bowl gets in front of her eyes, Dolores (laughs) is telling everyone. (laughs) Yeah, the the comedy in this is really, really, really funny. Just the Mm -hmm. look that she has in her eyes is great. And, yeah. I find yeah. I find no, they, Peppa's gift really fascinating because, you know, she can she can affect the weather, but it seems so often to be affected because of her emotions. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, is that a gift? And, but I mean, it totally right. obviously it can be, and and it's however her emotions are big, her emotions are strong, and so it's all tied together. But yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing. <laughs> Yeah, and see, I kind of think of that back to, like, with, because I, I try to, like, think of these in practical terms, like, with um, her emotions uh, affecting the weather, if you've ever been around that person who their mood just <laughs> pulls everyone into exactly yeah. what they're feeling, no matter what's going on, you're, you know, they're having a bad day, everyone around them's having a bad day, <laughs> and, uh, that that's kind of what I, I was thinking about with that. It's like, you know, everyone seems to love her, but she still is kind of a drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> but then on the flip side, you know, there's sometimes you see Casita and there's a huge rainbow over it. And you're just like, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. not just a curse of like, oh, God, the drama queen is at it again. But but obviously can bring joy and, and pleasantness. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then I hadn't noticed that spilled the wine when the vision went across the table. I didn't even think about that. There's probably something there with that. <laughs> or could be. It could be. And rain isn't always bad. <laughs> In the house, it might be. Inside the house, perhaps, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what I it... have it on. And there's a boy saying, nope, everything's fine. It's all yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's lightning inside the house. I have it on good authority from Emily that rain getting in the house is bad. Okay. <laughs> good this to is, know. This is how we're going to find out if she listened to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It, and, and then, of course, how do you how do you figure out what's going on with your house? Well, you have to look inside the walls. You have yeah. to <laughs> explore. Follow, follow you have to go, go behind the surface. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, find out. Yeah, there's rats in your house. Find out how they're getting in. Yeah. That that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'm really glad that animation has done a, such a good job with comedy, with timing, with jokes. The, I, we're, we're about to hit one of the funniest jokes <laughs> that I've ever... Oh, my God. With the falling, it's just... Yes. It's such a brilliant... They did it so well. And this whole time, just making Bruno such a creepy, scary character, you know, like when he, again, yeah. we find out later on, he didn't predict rain or a storm or a hurricane for the wedding, but the way that they tell it, he comes in with a grin and he predicts this horrible thing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, again, the way that the, that, uh, Maribel's brother says, you know, what he looks like, how he controls rats, and it's all creepy. And, you know, just now with the, you know, him just appearing in the darkness adds to that, you know? He plays into it. Yeah. Yeah, and and like you are talking about with the fall here, Joe, well, and it's kind of like, they set us up for this joke in oh, yeah. room. Oh, really good because point, yeah. You, you see that there's like these massive chasms in the house so you don't know what's down there the right. house is magical right. <laughs> it goes on forever and here she's <laughs> up <laughs> you're really sweaty <laughs> the very first thing we hear him say right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> very very <Bye>. menacing yeah <laughs> He just looks at her for a second. Bye. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't have gotten anyone more perfect than John Leguizamo for this character. Just <laughs> wonderful timing and yeah, cadence. And yeah, to to the reason why I even brought bring up the is there's this a cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Have you ever seen? Uh -huh. it, one yeah. of my. I I I laughed so hard the first time I saw that. I, I went and bought it on DVD because it's just such a great movie. But there's this character. He wears a red baseball cap and a and he has a beard, and he's just one of the townspeople. And they did such a great job of like reusing townspeople and like having them be in part in the background and stuff. And when the you know there's a scene when the food starts falling from the sky, and everyone looks up all shocked. And then when that guy looks up, he takes off his beard. Like, it's a fake beard. But it doesn't happen before, and it never happens again. 
for some reason, he's been wearing this fake beard, and he just takes it off this one moment, and it's the mo- the funniest thing that you can do, I think, in animation that you can't do. It wouldn't hit as well in live action, which I think sure. is great that I think Pixar does it so well, comedy, the, the physical comedy that they do that they can't do it elsewhere, like the mouse thing, the, the rats in the theater thing. It's yeah. just perfect. Yeah. Telenovela? <laughs> I don't understand. Ah, oh, it's because she has amnesia. You know, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> just, let's throw in a joke here while we're having an actual conversation. I love it. Right. Yeah, this this scene, and, and she she really starts to see that, you know, that the house, you know, the, the, a, lot, a lot of things that she was told, you know, while... Kind. I mean, I guess some of them were lies, but but it's just like the things that were done to try to protect the family. That even even what Bruno leaving was done because he loved the family, right? And you know, and you see that with Mirabelle too. Like she gets blamed for trying to ruin the family, but the thing she does is she's trying to help the family. She just hasn't found her place in it yet, right? And I think a big part of that is like you didn't have enough faith. And that's why it, mm. you know, that's why it's hurting us because you didn't believe enough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, again, she's the one without the powers, so she gets a lot of the blame for it. Mm-hmm. You know, which again, wasn't, yeah. wasn't Abuela's intention at all. She's just trying to hold everything together. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to that whole deal of, of, I think someone earlier mentioned like the the salvation through works versus salvation through faith. And I think that's what I, I do think that is a big theme of this mm. is that, you know, we 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 aren't saved by anything that we do. Uh, you know, Abuela didn't cause the miracle as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if she did, she didn't do it on purpose yeah. um, because but. And I do like this here as well because this this I, I'm sorry I got distracted by the movie from, from what I was saying, but just this that whole thing of where like the house is cracked if you do this if you go this way the house is cracked if you go this way it's whole, and this idea that I think we oftentimes overlook in a lot of even like biblical prophecy and a lot of things that God says to us is like if you do this this is going to happen if you do this. This will happen. And there's a lot of if-thens going on in the Bible that tend to get overlooked when we don't read mm. through our Old Testament. Yeah. Well, Did, and, go ahead. I was going to say, well, and also... Um, oh, now I forgot it already. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Um, go ahead. Say oh, what you, you were going to say, and then I'll, it'll come back to me. Okay. Well, there's this one scene in uh, Paul, uh, Paul's, you know, travels when uh, he's traveling, you know, from city to city trying to spread the gospel and a prophet comes to him, takes off Paul's belt and ties himself up. This prophet does. And then he says, uh-huh. if you go into that town, this is how they're going to tie you up and they will beat you. And he says, I don't yeah. care. I'm going in. And I, I read this in Bible study and we all asked each other. Why did he disobey God's orders? 
why did he go into a town that God told him not to go into? And the interesting thing is, is that somebody in the Bible study said, God didn't tell him not to go in there. He just said, this is what's going to happen to you when you Mm -hmm. do. And so Uh there's a lot of misinterpretation of what God is saying a lot of times. People don't get it. Yeah, I was going to jump in also and say a lot of the times we think there's a a right and a wrong um, as far as our actions or God, give me a sign. What should I do? And a lot of the times it's not you should do X or Y. It's go for make a decision, but do it with God. And he's going, you know, like honor God and, and make decisions that are right as far as things that I've actually said. But a lot of the times that's the whole thing about having free will is that we have decisions to make and a life to live. And so kind of going back to that vision that Bruno had, it's like, well, it could go either way and we're not told don't break the house or, you know, the miracle, whatever. It's like you, you need to make a lot of decisions here and walk that journey with God, but you can go many directions on the path, I guess. Right. Yeah. I I remembered what I was going to say earlier. So, uh, with the, the crack shifting the house being cracked or not cracked, depending on how you hold the vision back to, um, Oh, Katie, we need, I need your name help again. The weather lady, Peppa, Peppa, Peppa. Um, and Bruno, um, comes back later and says, I wasn't predicting the, the weather, you know, the rain cloud. I could just see on your face. Yeah. This is what was going to happen. So it was more of a, you know, Hey, if you don't want it to rain, you're going to have to check your emotions. If you, you know, if you don't want to get beaten, don't go into the town, but just letting you know, this is what I see coming. So, and then make your, like you were saying, make your decision. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, ties in perfectly with what Joe was saying about, you know, yeah. God didn't say don't do this. God said this will happen. So just it, so you know, right. yeah, exactly. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. here's some information well, to help you as you make decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, Which, and, and you know, and there's a possibility, and I think with that story, Joe, like what you're saying, uh, and I have not read it in a long time, but I, as I, as I, <laughs> the copybara <laughs> there, sorry, the uh, the, um, but as the you know, the prophet might have been just speaking, you know, he might have seen what was happening, might have just been speaking to try to warn Paul out of his own uh, empathy and alarm. Mm. You know, God might have revealed that to him, and, and he may not even been supposed, I mean, he might not have even really necessarily was supposed to tell Paul or try to warn Paul, but he just could see what was going to happen. And out of his love for Paul, tried to tell him, you know, because we have people who tell us things that they think are for our own good. Mm. And, and they try to warn us off of things that may or may not, you know, that they that maybe they shouldn't try to warn us off of uh, because they see what's going to happen. I, that's just a, a thought that that I've had about that story. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with this and, butterfly is that I've noticed the butterfly in the blocks that make up the house. And obviously here on Mirabelle's um, top, and the grandmother has like a brooch on her waistband that's a butterfly. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to think whether any of the other characters have butterfly on them. Because 
is that is it just like oh yeah that's a theme because the butterfly represents this miracle we've been given and so it's just illustrated throughout the movie or is it specific to these characters um because they are specifically part of this plot um now i'm like eager to see the other sisters and see if there's (laughs) there's butterfly on them no, I. That's actually I. Did, I couldn't tell that that was a butterfly on her shoulder, um, until you you pointed out. I was like, oh yeah, that's clearly a butterfly. Um, and then, uh, but I had been trying to to tell what it. I've been trying to look at it to figure out like what's going on with this, like a flower. It seemed like an odd placement, but I don't I don't know Colombian fashion, so I can't. <laughs> yeah, just embroidery, and then finally three D embroidery where. Rather than be part of the fabric, it's the embroidery floss has become a, a more pronounced. Hmm. And she's got butterflies all over her outfit now that you mention it. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't focusing on her fashion. No, I, I really wasn't. <laughs> the things I watched. There, there's so much. I, there's so much to see in this movie. Yeah. And we're we're watching it on the studio television. And not like our normal one. And this, the one in the studio is so much brighter than the one we have in the living room. And I didn't realize that until we put the movie on today. And like the colors are so much more vibrant. I'm like, we need to go shop for a new television for the living room. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and well, Joe, like you were talking about with animation and like the comedic timing and the ability of the characters to move and, and things like that. The thing that always like just strikes me is like you can see like the threads uh, you know, looking at that butterfly on her show, you can see the threads in the butterfly. Mm. It, it's just well. And speaking of detail, here comes the whole flower scene. Yes, I which mean, is ridiculous. Amazing. Every single petal and so many different. We went to a greenhouse today, and I am <laughs> I am a no pun intended budding gardener, and um, we just went to this greenhouse that we'd never been to before, and it was incredible. Like the variety of plants and flowers they had. So now I think I'm going to watch this scene with a whole new lens. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, I, oh, go ahead. No, go, go on. I was going to talk about the greenhouse. So you probably have something more for Katie. Sorry. <laughs> I was just, I was Googling the characters because I was really curious about this butterfly thing now. And um, Louisa does not have it. And Isabel here has, um, or Isabella has a flower in her hair. And so the butterfly mm-hmm. seems unique to, Casita, the grandmother, and Mirabel, which I think is probably pretty significant as far as, like, me, you know, don't say she doesn't have a gift. She's very right. obviously tied into the original Encanto. And interesting, too, if we think about it, the grandmother doesn't actually have a gift, except that sh- she was the bringer of this, you know, this miracle that they have. And so right. if, if anyone's like the grandmother it's mirabelle you know she's got this uh-huh. this tie to the house and this concern to keep the family together and um so yeah that that must be significant to the three of them mm. and and that also kind of ties into uh one of my theories is that the grandmother it is the one who unknowingly um established the miracle mm-hmm. but when uh when the candle flickered, when Mirabelle touched the doorknob, mm-hmm. that the power of the miracle then went to 
that's actually with Mirabelle now, but she doesn't know it because it hasn't been confirmed and passed on to her by the grandma yet. Mm. I can't confirm this, but that's my theory. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) This is a silly question. What superpower would you guys have if you had one? (laughs) Oh, my. I don't know. I've been reading for the first... I know I'm, like, late to the game, but I've been reading the Enneagram books. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Then I'm, like, having a hard time diagnosing myself. So I don't know if I could um, say my superpower or not. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, like, teaching kids music is a superpower. I'm, I'm pretty... I feel most successful at that. I feel like it makes a difference. I don't know. That's awesome. It's a good one. Yeah. Nathan or <laughs> Katie? Mm. It, this, this is always a hard one. I was just about to say the same thing. I always have a hard time with this. Um, I don't know. Probably flying. Let's be honest. Flying. flying. <laughs> okay, it's so, so you. Okay, so we're going like superhero superpower. Yeah, sure. Superpower. Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about like your like a gift, like oh in the that movie, right? your personality like, you have to offer your community, right? You know. Yeah, and and Katie, I was actually my my t- my top two are probably um, uh, flight or telekinesis. Oh, wow. um, which presumably I could use the telekinesis to levitate myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's put a lot of thought into this, apparently. You know, I'm a comic book nerd, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, a, a close third is possibly shape shifting. Oh, nice. Um, but I don't know. That's that's what is the our our um I didn't say that our one of our children has <laughs> said is shape shifting because then you could shape shift yourself into any other person or creature so then you would have any power you wanted. Oh, well, wow. that, I mean, depends. It depends on which uh, who's writing this because <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, true. In, in most in most comic books, the shapeshifter doesn't get powers; they can only imitate form. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like. You could imitate someone's form, like you could, like you could imitate the form of someone who had, like you know, telepathy, but you wouldn't get telepathy. Hmm. Hmm. And so, I think there but, have been superheroes who can do that, though. Uh, yeah, no, there's, but that ha- that's the specific powers they have sure. to be able to. They can imitate powers, but the, ah, you yeah. know, there's always some kind of plot contrived limitation <laughs> on that, right? Course, you exactly. Know, it has yeah. to be, they can only, you know, like you know they can only have three powers at a time and they have to get rid of one if they want to get a new one or they have to be around the person whose power they're imitating or, mm. you know, just things like that. Yeah. But the fact, but the fact that Mirabelle, like the house, like the cracks got better when Mirabelle, like fixed the relationship with, with Isabella, that kind of leads me to believe that the, that it's, it's this transition happening yeah. um, mm. from the grandma to Mirabelle that no one really seems to know about, but it's getting, it's starting to cause problems because uh, of this, like, they haven't come to terms with it. Mm. And it hasn't been expressed on what's going on. So, Abuelita, Abuela, she doesn't want to lose control, passing it on to Mirabel, like Saul... And David, huh? More <laughs> biblical connections there. I don't have anything other than that. But, well, it, <laughs> but it, it is a Christian podcast, like, and we have to mention the Bible every five minutes, guys. <laughs> Come on. Sure. <laughs> so, 
but what I'm but what I'm saying here is like here, um, it's not the fact that Abuela is upset. It's the fact that Mirabel is being told that she can't do it, so she stops believing that she Ooh. can mm. help. Yeah, when she when she absolutely does have the power to to fix these things, and not necessarily on her own, but she has to have it by healing their relationships in the family. Yeah. And so that that's kind of my my theory is that that was what happened when she grabbed that first doorknob is that the power of of the the miracle just passed to her. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Or at least started its transition. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say interesting too that that the power is passing from the grandmother, who is obviously the matriarch, so important to the second to youngest child, and I like that it's the the unexpected um, kind of also how like Luisa is the strong one. You know, it wasn't like oh we gotta wait till Camilo's big, you know, big enough to get his miracle, mm-hmm. and then he'll be the strong one. It's like no, like a woman can be the strong one, and the second to youngest can be you know the the matriarch or the the holder of whatever power. Um, so I like that they kind of break some of these expected tropes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very biblical thing too. When you look at uh, Jacob and Esau, where the the older serves the younger, mm-hmm. and and also you know, and then also you see that the house, the only person the house that Casita helps is Mirabel. Mm. The house kicks everyone else out who's not like capable of. Of helping to save the miracle. Mm. That's a good point. Except for Bruno, who expels himself. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Of course, he's been on the edge for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's trying to get a hold of the candle. And I love that the house is falling apart. But it's still protecting everyone. It's doing whatever it can uh-huh. to get everybody safely. Like when people fall, it you know uses a uh, a handrail to lower them down so that you can hold on to. Like it's using its last ability, its last bit of power to help people and to get everybody yeah. to safety. Yeah, and it's just this scene, this this whole thing. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. so you like. They do a great job of, of, you know, catching that moment of, like, everyone's kind of in shock. We're, we're like, let's let's assess the situation. Make sure everyone's okay. Yeah, you know, it's... It, and it... But this is pretty intense for, like, what's supposed to be a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say supposed to be... I mean, my kids watch it. And, and, and the proof is in the fact that they, I hear the songs all the time, yeah. all the time. <laughs> so that, that's why I'm grateful that Disney's doing really good songs. Right. right. <laughs> and, then... and not only, not only is the house broken, there's a crack between the mountains that protected the town. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it, in the, the scene it showed like the cracks were running down the roads into town also. Uh-huh. So it's affecting the entire community. And yeah, I, I don't know because Mirabel goes down to the, 
to the lake where Abuela lost her husband. And the reason Maribel could get there was because she was able to walk through the crack in the mountain. It's almost like the mountain, you know, like you said, it was protecting the town. And that's what separated the town from the lake. And and kind of separated Mirabel from understanding what Abuela was going through. And this is, excuse me one second. <coughs> oh. But, uh, you know, I... Not to, you know, get into too much personal family history, but, you know, I, I grew up in a house where I have three older sisters uh, and one of them with, with special needs. And between the between me and the sister just older than me, mom had a miscarriage. Hmm. And this was also, you know, during the generation where, you know, you didn't go see a counselor. You didn't, you know, you, you just deal with things and... Also, mom was really busy with, you know, and not again, not to talk too much about my sisters or too much family history, but, you know, mom had a daughter who, you know, for the first several years of her life could have died at any moment because it was, you know, the medicine of the 70s and 80s. Right. Um, which was kind of the dark ages. And, you know, my my sister literally was the one of the first people to have some of the procedures done on her at at such a young age. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's like we, we grew up with a lot of family dysfunction and it, but we all kind of knew the reasons. And no, it, one of the, one of the things that kind of, for me was I was able to look back at the situation and go, no one did this on purpose. No one was malicious in this. You know, there was a lot of pain. There yeah. was a lot of, of of struggle, but being able to, as an adult, kind of look and go, yeah, that's that mom suffered through a lot of hard things, and through that she was taking care of four children, mm. uh, and and you know, and and so as an adult, being able to look back at that and and see that that those things that happen and go, you know, I know that there was no malice there and, and no resentment intentionally, you know, uh, so you, you reach that point of forgiveness and you can move past and you can heal and the relationship improves. Right. Um, so, you know, I totally get this, this part of the movie. Um, it's that reflection. It's integrating the effects into your understanding of, of, of who you are. Um, so that's, uh, no, didn't mean to get too dark. No, but, no, but uh, no, cause that all totally makes sense. And I could absolutely relate to that. Like a mom who just bared so much on her shoulders, so much happening. And she just has to be the strong one because mm -hmm. that's her job, you know? And, and so we kind of don't even realize it you know, growing up because we're dealing with their own stuff. And yeah, just the amount of pressure and stress and fear that has that, you know, that a member of the family has to take on. And, uh, you know, again, no therapy, nobody to talk to at the time. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, 
it's just that generational thing and being able to see that, you know, the, the world didn't, and, you know, the world didn't start with me <laughs> and, and, uh, and going, you know, I don't know what I would have done in the same situation. And I probably in all honesty would not have done any better. Right. I mean, you know, and, and so you, you, st- you give that grace and this is where, you know, you kind of have, this moment between Mirabelle and Abuela, and although they don't really say it, you know, you know, Mirabelle says you, you've been through so much and there's kind of this, you know, just trust, uh, just trust me, you know, unspoken to like that. We, I want the best for the family. And so does everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think this is where they, you know, and, and I think this, the subtext behind the scene here is this is where the, the miracle fully passes on to to Mirabel. Uh, question: Okay, the thing on Abuela's like belt. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's like a watch and a locket and a key. Is that like a common? Like, I'm not seeing that anywhere. Yeah, I don't know, but it seems convenient. You know, yeah. like it, it seems like something that would be a thing because. You know, the locket is, you know, she has a picture of her husband, uh, a watch, you know, and then the, a key that opens, like, you know, the front door, you know? Yeah. Let's she sit. probably didn't have pocket. Well, that's probably true. It's probably <laughs> maybe a little more convenient than a purse. But I, I just don't, I've never seen that in fashion at, in any, at any time that I, that I like, because I, I like trinkets and weird things like that that mm, yeah. are not common. Um, they amuse me. So I've never seen anything like that. I was just curious about it. Yeah. And of course, everybody noticed the butterflies that appeared in the story. And then at the end here, mm-hmm. uh, when she first met her husband, Abuela, when she first met her husband, a butterfly was was flying by. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, that, that's some significance there that even I didn't know until now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and actually, Mickey pointed out the the song. Um, is this is the song that was just playing as the her story unfolded? Her little montage um, was that the song done by the famous Colombian musician? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we have the um, captions on, so we can you know have cues of what's going on while we talk through this and it's english captions but the song i know is in spanish so i was actually reading along um these words that you know i hadn't really picked up on i speak a little spanish but i hadn't picked up on it while watching the movie and uh the the words are beautiful and of course it's about Mm-hmm. caterpillars and butterflies and so uh encourage the listeners to go back and put that on and put your captions on because it's really cool mm-hmm. oh i love that song well actually they do an english version at, the during soundtrack. the credits oh okay and, oh. it's on the soundtrack i don't and think they, they listen to all the credits no yeah during the credits they do a uh an english version of it oh great having two young girls at our house we've listened to the entire soundtrack <laughs> multiple times <laughs> But no, I think that song is, is absolutely beautiful, and uh, and it and, it, and it's hard for me to really enjoy a song in a different language. And it's not the, nothing against different languages. I just like to be able to sing along. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. So like I, I just beautifully done, and uh, and the fact that it it there's so much emotion in the music alone that by the time you get to that final chorus, that crescendo into it mm-hmm. is just 
just mind blowing. And then, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So th- this this scene, I, I really like the, the musical montage where, you know, now now's the, the part where she gets to give back to the family. Yeah. Because what, what does she have? She's, you know, her gift has been that she can encourage everyone mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on and regardless of how she feels. <clears throat> yeah hopeful yeah mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know bring it bring it back bringing it back to christianity uh in the, the the whole idea that we were talking about before how god just wants you to make a decision you know and he'll help you out through it even if you make a decision and it turns out really badly it doesn't mean that it was the wrong one or that god isn't or that you made a mistake or it's just you made a decision and it didn't work out mm-hmm. but god's still there helping you through it you know mm-hmm. it'll still be okay it can still be okay you just need yeah. to work through it and god's going to help you through it and of course as our christian brothers and sisters are there for us to help us through it yes well and that's and, what's happening and that, here yeah it, and that's actually you know and, and something that I say, and, and I try to, I, I try to be careful with when and how I say this because I, I don't want people to think I'm getting all like crazy woo woo mystical. <laughs> but um, there is, you know, I, I spent a lot of years as a worship leader, and one of the things that I, I've, I've said on occasion is when we when we go to the church to worship, there's times when we go there as the bride of Christ, and there's times we go there as the body of Christ, mm. and what I mean by that is sometimes we're going to have people who are in need of, of help and the body of Christ is supposed to go to the church. So sometimes we operate in the role of ministering to people around us. And sometimes we go as that person who needs ministered to, Mm. and it's okay to be either one of those people. And that's something that I didn't, really pick up on until later on in life because i grew up in a in a fundamentalist church where it was you know it was you you, all ministry is evangelism and after you've prayed the sinner's prayer be quiet because all your needs should be met and and so uh, this this movie to me speaks to me a lot because it's like it's the it's all about the institution just continuing to thrive as an institution and don't be a burden Hmm. you know it's uh, and 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 don't don't call out any of the problems and and (laughs) right now there's there's lots of well i say right now there's always been problems in the church because bullet and you know uh but there's lots of uh there's lots of uh things going on with the uh Mars Hill podcast and the what is it Hillsong exposed documentary right. and different things like that and all the people who are calling out these these problems are getting told oh well you know don't cause a ruckus don't um, you, don't upset the the church don't you know you're you're uh, tearing down the foundation you're ruining people's lives and it's like no they're they're trying to 
bring justice or they're they're trying to bring healing. They're they're mm-hmm. giving an opportunity for people to repent and be restored. Right. Uh, in in many cases. Um so and yeah. yeah I, okay. Sorry. No, no, so for for me, like I I I kind of whatever I talked earlier about, you know, whatever you see in the movie is is you're telling us about something you don't want to admit necessarily in yourself or maybe want to admit or <laughs> depending. Um, but I think for a lot of these places, they're, they're seeing things they don't want to admit about themselves. Yeah. Uh, in the movie and that they don't want to listen to, to the, the voices that are around them. Mm. And uh, then again, here we have the Casitas restored. Something else I was thinking um, about Mirabelle's gift and her being able to see things is she can see the need of every one of her family members. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't exploit it because her motivation is the love of the family. And so she can see to encourage. And then... Um, Okay, oh, this song also was another one of the Colombian oh, cool. um, musicians that they brought him in, and uh, it's all in Spanish, also, but it's all it's very Colombian oh. style. Anyhow, but um, our message at church the other Sunday was um, the story of Hannah in First um, Samuel and how she was. Um, she was loved by her husband, but she was barren, you know, and she went and said, you know, cried, cried out to God and said, if you'll just give me this child, I will give him back to you. And um, because her motivation was loving God, like she just, you know, she wanted to be seen by him, but because she realized that, you know, he, when 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 God saw that he, she, her motivation was love for him, and the fact that she felt seen by him when he gave her a child, then she, out of love for God, gave that back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it was tied to um, the First John four seventeen that. Um, we love because he first loved us and um and then also tying to love your neighbor as yourself and until all of these characters or these these family members saw that love and saw their value for who they were they could not adequately or i don't know properly is not the right word but fully give to the community, nor could they fully receive from the community because at the end, the whole community comes back and builds the house for them because the family isn't just this family on a hill that does everything for them. Mm -hmm. They're loved. They're a loved part of the community too. And when they were in need, the community came together and gave back. And so just that, I, I don't know, it just goes back to that whole heart of, I know who I am. I know who I'm loved by. I know I am seen. Um, and because 
I am loved, because I am grateful, um, then I can, um, I can serve with, with, uh, uh, with, with love, with the Mm, heart motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's to me, when I watch this, like, like I mentioned at the beginning, that, that one of the harsher criticisms that the, the, the motive, that the message of the film is to stop serving your community and serve yourself. That's not anywhere in this. No. <laughs> I mean, I, that's just tragically wrong. I mean, because that speaks to years of miseducation and something. Yeah. Anyway. Because that, it is like. Yeah, no, but you're right, because it is, it doesn't mean stop serving your community, but allow the community to help you also. Like, it's not your job to help others and then never receive help. It's, you know, they can also help you because they care about you and they, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's when you properly create community, regardless of whether or not you're, you are strong enough or available to provide the services that you've always provided them. And that's when, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like I mentioned before with Abuelish, you know, it started out as this miracle and she used it to serve people uh, and to serve the community. But then, like, after the, the after the status, there's kind of that fear, you know, that, that mm-hmm. creeps in that, oh, maybe they only like the family because we do these things. Well, if we mm-hmm. if we run out of gifts, then the community is going to stop loving us. And. And and so that's why it is such a powerful moment whenever the family's gifts are gone, again, not because somebody decided the family needed to only serve themselves, but because there was somebody who wanted to heal the family and make everything right and, you know, and restore, uh, restore the son who left. Right. It, you know, it's, and when those things happen and I mean, how great is that that when the fam when they see that the family is in need of healing then the community comes together and says hey we love you regardless yeah we didn't expect you to just give us everything we love we love you for who you are we appreciate the things you've given us but because you've given us those things now we have things to give back to you Hmm. and so yeah i i think this i think this movie is just it's beautiful in so many ways. Um, just the vibrant colors, um, the details and the comedic timing (laughs) and you know, just the, the music I think is, is fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I really like, like, and I've been, and I've been really hard to please with a lot of uh, kids shows lately because, because we just watched so many of them yeah so (laughs) for one to really jump out like this one from the uh i don't know onslaught of children's programming we've endured the last (laughs) several years um i was really excited to to get a chance to talk about this one yeah yeah that was uh yeah that was great i really really love this movie and there is so much to dig from it to dig out of it because it got it says so much and uh, i like i said it's for christians i think that this is a great film to watch and to relate to and to speak on yeah and it's there there's layer after layer and i was kind of 
I'm impressed we actually got to talk about as many different aspects of this film as we did. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was kind of worried going like, we might have to do two of these. <laughs> because there there are so many levels of analysis on this this movie. And it's, you know, I was listening to a, a podcast the other day and they were talking about like, you know, uh, any great. And that's that's the thing. Not to say this can be compared to like great literature of old. I don't know. But. You know, in really good stories, there's a little bit of good and a little bit of bad in everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to wrestle through that and work out and figure out, am I good? Mm. And where, you know, Pulp Fiction, not the movie, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that, that's the stuff where it's there's the good guys and the bad guys and the good guys are always only good. And the bad guys are always only bad and there's no depth to everyone. And they just shoot at each other. And then, you know, (laughs) the good guy wins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that's really the lowest kind of form of, uh, of writing, but where this, where there is that depth, I mean, there's the, the characters are very complex for a kid's show or movie. (laughs) So, or whatever it is, yeah. it's, it's getting late for for us, uh, you know, parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think we can wrap it up. Does anybody have anything to add? Good, because uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. Again, great movie. If I, I can't imagine anybody who hasn't seen it, if they haven't had a chance, I absolutely. Why are you listening to this? You should have watched it first because this is <laughs> <Yeah>. totally, <laughs> totally worth uh, your time. It is. It is. This is really, really good and so much to say about it. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. This was really great, guys. I, I, I had such a good time. Yeah. And I enjoyed I, it. I was excited to, to find another movie that I was this excited about. And maybe one day, Joe, you and I can do something that's not animated. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> it's just kind of a station of life I'm in right now. You want to break the streak and <laughs> watch something You yeah. mentioned the Moana one. That was the first commentarians I ever listened to. So mm-hmm. and it oh. was great. <laughs> Thank you. But that was a fun conversation. That was actually the first podcast I'd ever been on. So yeah. It, wow. Uh, that was a little bit nerve wracking for me. <laughs> So again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being here. This was really great, and I really appreciate it. So uh, until next time, see you guys at the theaters. I, st- I still don't have an ending to this. Thank I told you before, you just got to end it with that. It's solid. See you at the movies. See you at the... But that, I think that's Siskel and Ebert. Oh, see you, right. No, see, the balcony is closed. That's there. So see you at the movies? Yes. Yeah, see, see, see you. Bye. Maybe the ticket line. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> All right. Thanks, oh, you got to end it like Bruno. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.